Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max, and listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. You're listening to Nerdette from WBEZ in Chicago. I'm Greta Johnson. And I'm Trisha Bobita. This week we have a conversation with the one and only Kate Mulgrew for you. If her name doesn't ring a bell, I bet this will. If you attempt to remove anything from our ship, it will be considered an act of war. You know, I'm really easy to get along with most of the time. But I don't like bullies, and I don't like threats, and I don't like you, color. That's her as Captain Janeway of Star Trek Voyager, and of course, known to many of you more recently as Red on Orange is the New Black. All I wanted was to eat the chicken that is smarter than other chickens and to absorb its power and make a nice Kiev. But oh well. The mythical chicken from Orange is the New Black and the more than mythical Red, played by, as we were saying, Kate Mulgrew, who has... A new memoir out. It's called Born With Teeth, and we're going to talk to her more about her life on and off screen coming up. But before we jump in, we've got a few housekeeping notes. As is evidenced by the name of this show, we're nerds about lots of things, and particularly, especially right now, Game of Thrones. And Peter Sagal, turns out, the host of Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me on NPR, is an even bigger Game of Thrones nerd than we are. And I didn't know that was possible, but there he is. Yes, king of the Game of Thrones nerds, <laughs> even be possible to say. So, since the TV show airs on HBO on Sunday nights, each Monday, we meet up with Peter to dissect the latest twists and turns of the Seven Kingdoms. That'll be a bonus episode each week to this, our regular Nerdette show. Yes, it's called Nerdette Recaps Game of Thrones with Peter Segel. Check it out if you haven't gotten a chance. In the meantime, this week, we will talk with Kate Mulgrew, Star Trek's first female captain. We'll also get to know a great lady nerd of history who took to the skies in real life. Jackie Cochran was the first woman to break the sound barrier. All that and more this week on Nerdette. Because everybody's a little nerdy about something. Make it snappy, nerd! Nerds! Mulgrew has a new memoir out called Born With Teeth, and in it she pulls no punches when it comes to the things she faced as a groundbreaking woman in entertainment, the first captain on Star Trek as a woman, and also often the only woman on the call sheet who had to deal with a whole lot of nonsense. Equal pay, equal to all that stuff is slow moving. But I am now part of a process which is excitingly close to breaking through not only the glass ceiling, but breaking down the door to the boys club. And that's what Netflix is doing. These guys are wildly innovative. They're breaking all of the rules. Broadcast television is going to be forced to change or die. It'll take a long time. But this is a new day. Jenji Cohen has 50 actresses in her cast. That call sheet must be unlike anything you've ever been able to work with. There's maybe one or two named female characters in any other project. And none of us are beauties. And none of us are asked (laughs) to be beauties. It's never, never mentioned. It's never mentioned. Sex is mentioned a lot. But everybody's completely stripped down. And it's an absolutely joyful thing. I mean, that's 50 women flying to work with bells, you know? It's great. Oh, and you're all so different, too. I mean, yeah. I think you all have beauties of your own. Like, you know what I mean sense. about 
Totally. The ingenue. But I think also like there is this incredible spectrum that you see on that show that like it is so difficult to look at any other TV show and see the variety of kinds of bodies and ages of women that you but do you're, on that so show. But you're tapping into, you're touching the very core of its wild success. Women want to see the truth. We want to see our humanity mirrored, right? We don't want to see what's inauthentic celebrated. How is that helping us, right? We should all weigh 92 pounds and and look. And and just disappear after the age of 29. Exactly. (laughs) And go to rehab and do 12, do you know? I mean, it's not. I think that it's so liberating, comforting. It's that sense of you're there with us, you know, sharing all of this. That's at least how we feel. Was that available to you as a telltale sign or was it fully formed when you were given a pilot script or whatever it might have been, knowing that here was this thing, Netflix doing TV at the time, Netflix is making their own shows. All of that must have been a little, you know, you may have been a little skeptical about it. But what made you decide this is going to be special from that first interaction? Half a page that they gave me with a character called Red and a little description saying, uh, she's Russian, but she's fully assimilated. She's been in America her entire life. So we just want the merest suggestion of, of the Russian. And we don't really know who she is or where she comes from. But And I thought, but I do. <laughs> but I know who she is. And out she you came. Knew. She came out fully formed. Wow. She came out fully formed. Therefore, I knew, if you guys can believe this, that Genji was a genius, that Netflix was a genius company to pick it up, Right to produce, to create this model. It was uh, exciting, really exciting, and still is. It was so fun in season two to have those flashback scenes and to go deeper into all of the characters. Yeah, yeah. And did you get a hint of that as a part of the storylines that were going to come, or was that a welcome surprise that season two was going to be these beautiful character portraits and flashback well, of don't forget, so many of the folks? I was immediately uh, right. given a huge right. flashback mm-hmm. story. So that was the second episode of mm-hmm. season one. So I thought, oh, this is how she's going to do it. Mm -hmm. This is beyond clever because what it does is it hooks you in, right? Your heart already is won by the terrible vulnerability. And I was such a nerd. Galina Reznikov, (laughs) you know, they wouldn't let me walk with them. They were always making fun. They didn't like the joke. So she was left out, but she was not stupid. And I think that there's also a thing of character and metal in there. I think I've been in prison for 15 years for a choice that I probably made. I, I shouldn't say that because Genji would, only Genji knows, but we will, we, we will find <laughs> we out. Shall see, we yes. shall see. <laughs> we shall see. We shall see. We shall see. So what are your favorite sorts of scenes to do in that show? I mean, they're all just so good. I love the greenhouse. What for you? Love the greenhouse. Favorites? Yeah. Love the greenhouse, but I love the kitchen. Oh, yeah. come on. <laughs> I love that scene with Piper where I say, you're not being cheated. You're not being hazed. You're being starved. <laughs> she was. I couldn't, you know, the little yuppie. And I loved the scene in the in the bathroom where my legs are being shaved by um, Annie Golden. <laughs> and uh, Piper comes in and she wants to, you know, make up. And I say, you know, I really feel sorry for you. I do, kid. But if you can't figure it out, it's going to be your funeral. <laughs> you know, that's the line. There's a reason that Red is who she is. In that prison. And that she survived as long as she has. Right. And that she has called this little group of daughters. Uh, She loves them. She's fiercely loyal. Mm -hmm. But if you cross the line, if you betray, you're done. Tampon sandwich for you. You're out. Tampon sandwich. (laughs) (laughs) Yum, yum. (laughs) Janeway was also in control, but of 
more men. And that was something that I've heard that you said you had to send a lot of especially early scripts back saying, stop apologizing for having a woman in charge and just let Janeway be in charge. Is that true? Well, I I didn't send scripts back. They were constantly fooling around with my physicality. (laughs) It was constant with the hair. I had seven hairdos inside of three months. That little bun, <laughs> the bun of steel, they called it, and then a chignon, and then it was this, and then it was that. Then it was my breasts. Then it was my feet because I was so short compared to all the guys who were six <laughs> foot two, so I had four-inch heels. I finally just got down on my knees to Rick Berman. I said, give me a shot. Just let me do it. Let me try to win them over, the male demographic, 20 to 35, by virtue of my own capacity to command. I don't know, Kate. <laughs> Red alert. Yeah. And he did. They to his did. credit, he did then. Yeah, yeah. They did. But it took a while. They were nervous. Billions of dollars were at stake. If Engage doesn't work, they turn the television off, right? It's like everyone was so surprised when Bridesmaid made a bunch of money because who'd have thunk? People would watch women and laugh and then tell their friends. Yeah, because yeah. notoriously yeah. women are not funny, right? Yes, as we all know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Wrong. We got to talk to Gillian Anderson not that long ago about the Scully effect, this thing that she's had happen to her in her career where people come up to her on the streets. She'll go to a Comic-Con type thing occasionally and hear from people, I went into the sciences or I feel as a young woman that you helped inspire me, shape me into having the courage to go to college and study forensic pathology or some other science. Were you conscious of that as you were playing Janeway? Does it happen still? Hugely, because, of course, that's what Star Trek is. It is science. And Janeway was first and foremost a scientist before she was a commander. But I knew the deep significance of it, how phenomenal it really was when Mrs. Clinton invited me to the White House to speak to women in science. Oh, can you imagine? Oh, my God. I'm supposed to address (laughs) the finest women scientists. I mean, I just stood there and I said, ladies, what can I say? I am honored. But they came to me and they said, When I watched you as Captain Janeway, I decided I was going to get out of research and go into the field. I was going to go up, not out. I mean, amazing what pop culture can do. That influence has been the single most gratifying thing of my entire career. I really think that I had that chance to influence some of those women. And that's a a wonderful thing. It's incredible. It's been funny for me doing this podcast thing now that's largely about sort of nerd culture which means we end up talking about things like Doctor Who and Star Wars. And Trisha and I tend to sort of complement each other in how our interests have laid. But like Star Trek is sort of my gap. I didn't watch a whole lot of Star Trek. However, I did see all of Voyager. Oh, well, so, so then you that's did. the exception. So even so. in my nerd fail, there's still Voyager. <laughs> that was a good save there, baby. That's her uh, one gold star when it comes to Star Trek. Is she's got Voyager covered. I have to say it. something about Gillian <laughs> Anderson before we go. Sure. Mm-hmm. Have you seen her in The Fall? Fantastic. No. Stella, right? This the is just an amazing actress. Yeah. Just an amazing actress. I just have to throw that in there. I'm, so she's had to sort of transcend Scully, I think, and yeah. she has. Well, now beautiful. Scully's coming back. You see they're doing new episodes, With the two her? of them. Yeah, they're doing, uh, I think, a single run, 13 episodes. And Duchovny? Yeah. <laughs> oh, they're wild. bringing it back. Well, we shall see. Would you do that if they asked There's you to hope. do There's hope. Red Voyager? alert. Yes. <laughs> I want to do it with Patrick Stewart and Bill Shatner. Right. Would you do it? <laughs> of course. But I want to be the, the big one. <laughs> they have to sit in their chairs. So I will stand. Yes. yes of yes. course.
Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max. And listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. Now back to our conversation with Kate Mulgrew. Her new memoir is called Born with Teeth. Every chapter in the book is a chapter that shaped me as a human being. I was of an age, 58, when I decided to do it. So it took me that long to have the courage, or shall I say the freedom, or shall I say the wherewithal, to actually pull the trigger. Both parents had to be dead. This was a, mm, an imperative interesting. thing. Interesting, yeah. Because I, under no circumstances would I sting, unsubtle, upset them in any way. I loved them very much. And in order to write a memoir, the first rule is honesty. At least it was for me. Yeah, that's interesting. I was I had a feeling that people have probably been telling you for a couple decades now that you needed to write a memoir. That's right. But have. I guess I it doesn't surprise me that it would take a certain something to be ready to take that leap. Well, it's frightening. Yeah. You know, because um, I'm not famous for my vulnerability. <laughs> understatement, uh, I think, <laughs> with the characters you probably play. Probably an yeah, understatement, yeah. but also uh, a bit of a deception because I am deeply vulnerable. Of course. And I knew that I would be exposing myself in that most private of ways in writing this book. But I needed to do it, and I, more to the point, I wanted to, and I was ready. You know that moment. It's a, an indefinable, it's like love. It just comes, and you have to pay attention to it. So I did. It's either that or the deadline. One or the other <laughs> propel you forward, right? <laughs> a romantic. That's right, darling. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's one or the other. Working in concert, because that's music to an actress's ears, right? Not only are you going to step out on the, the big thing, but you do have a deadline. Exactly. And I love a deadline, so I was ready. <laughs> there was a scene in your memoir where you talk about meeting Patrick Stewart on the set, right? Yeah. Can you tell us about that? What was that like? I think I was two months into shooting. I'd lost about 20 pounds from nerves. It was really unbelievably difficult. Technobabble alone, so frightening. Sure. And uh, my standard, my own personal standard is quite high. So I uh, was always very well prepared, but I didn't always know what I was saying. (laughs) It was like, really? This is just... And I saw Patrick Stewart come in one day and walk over to craft service and get himself a cup of coffee as if it were his living room. I thought, (laughs) I've got to go and meet him. So I asked if I could take a break, and I went over, shook his hand. I said, you've got to help me. You've got to give me some words of, of wisdom. Some counsel here, because I don't know how I am going to do this. You will do it, my dear. (laughs) You will do it, and you will do it beautifully. You will come into work, and you will work harder than you have ever worked in your life. And at the end of seven years, you will say to yourself, it's the work I'm proudest of. And I was. He was right. You know? It's good. Rigor is good. 
Rigor is good. This is a good reminder for us, Trisha, I think. Sometimes we lament when we have to get here before the sun rises and stay after the sun sets. But this is this is a timeline you're very well familiar with. Look on the bright side. (laughs) We had to go in two hours before that to get hair and makeup. (laughs) And that's for the people who don't even have to have any prosthetics probably applied. That's just normal hair and makeup. That's why I was so jealous of Patrick Stewart. (laughs) Yep, no hair. No No hair. (laughs) What was it they were saying? You know, sometimes for these... X-Men movies and this and that. Somebody sits in the makeup chair for 14 hours between takes. And I mean, <laughs> that's a whole day of yeah. just putting on the blue. It's a, big, then... <laughs> it's a big part of what they think is important. That doesn't happen on Orange is the New Black. No. Yeah. No, it doesn't happen. But there's attention paid to the way that I want to do my eyes and the red of my lips and the red of the my red hands and all important. that. I, I mean, I get my makeup done. But on Voyager, I was in that chair every two seconds. It's as if they couldn't keep their hands off me until I finally just said, you must leave me alone and let me work, you know? And the minute they listened to me, it started to happen. You gave credit to Netflix, too. Obviously, Genji Cohen, from Weeds we know, and then now from Orange is the New Black, that one of the things I think she's best at is humanizing subcultures or sort of the nicks and crannies of our culture that don't normally get portrayed on screen. So humanizing drug dealing instead of making it something that's always shoot them up, traffic kind of things. It's a suburban mom dealing drugs. And that show, of course. the confines of maternity. (laughs) I love that. Maternal love. And then we here we have what follows some of the tropes of a situational comedy in a workplace. And that workplace happens to be incarceration. Right. And humanizing women in prison in a way that we never hear about women in prison in this culture. We do not hear about it. The marginalized, the disenfranchised, the strange. And uh, so am I. Because let's face it, we all are, right? <laughs> That's what Genji understands. We're all in this together. Strangest of all are those beautiful people in Hollywood, right? <laughs> it's a bit odd. But when she's just doing it in a magnificent kind of Petri dish, she knows how to do it. She has an elegant imagination. She has a mind like a steel trap. It's gorgeous to watch her go. Maybe she's going for the jugular. I don't know. But I know she's doing something that is captivating everybody. So she's got an understanding of, of women that I think is unprecedented in Hollywood writing, at least as far as I know. I imagine there are friends of yours who are actors who are clamoring to get into that prison. Now. A lot of them have been in that <laughs> prison, and a lot of them will come in. I mean, New York has got the best act, great actress of Hollywood, of course, has great actors, too, but... We are famous for having every kind of wonderful stage actor. And uh, Genji sees them all the time. So there's room for everybody, I think. (laughs) Well, and I met that cast. Do you guys just feel like a family now? No, it's not like that. Because we don't get to work together. Mm. It's all, it's very tribal. You know, the blacks stay with the blacks. And the Asians stay with the Asians. Chang stands alone. (laughs) 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 And I'm in the kitchen with my girls, right? And the Latinas are with the... uh, Although they're in the kitchen now, too. Mm -hmm. But that's sort of pissing me off. Uh, Yeah, that's a problem. (laughs) We know that won't last forever. Right. You get the ones who are in the story with you. But had it not been for V, I don't know when I would have had uh, the opportunity to have a really great story with one of the African-American women who are, as you know, superb actresses. Superb. All of them. But Lorraine Toussaint came in and knocked that one out of the park, oh, didn't my. she? Yeah. Terrifying. <laughs> Blood curdling. Right? Let's all have sex with our son and then send him out for cigarettes and shoot him. Oh. What a lovely mom. 
<laughs> Everybody in the prison was afraid of her. All the actresses were afraid of her. Really afraid of her. She came in like that. <laughs> and she left like that. Wow. Psychopathy 101. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That is phenomenal. Yeah. That is And so I had to phenomenal. take her down. Right? Mm-hmm. Well, I didn't. Miss Rosa did. Right. What were her last words? Oof. You were always rude. Rude. That was it. Bon. I loved that. Rude. Right. Rude. <laughs> Kate Mulgrew, thank you so much for talking this with us. This was really fun. You nerdettes are great. You're great. <laughs> You're the best. Thank you. No, you are. <laughs> <laughs> Dismissed. <laughs> Our homework for you this week is to check out Kate Mulgrew's memoir, Born with Teeth, and she has another reading assignment for you. If you haven't read Hilary Mantel's Wolf Hall and Bring Up the Bodies, run, don't walk to the bookstore. Also, you can watch it on PBS or you can buy tickets. It's on Broadway right now. She is remarkable. This is historical fiction at its finest. I don't know how she manages it. So that was is great. Go get that. And in tandem with it, get her memoir, Giving Up the Ghost, which is a splendid way of introducing her to what is going to be a magical experience for everybody who reads her. I wholeheartedly endorse this homework. Hillary Mantel's Wolf Hall is like an absolute must read. Have you watched the PBS show yet? You know, I haven't yet, but I bet it's better than Downton Abbey. I'm just going to say it. Oh, strong words. I know, man. Fighting words. <laughs> you can find links to all your homework assignments at nerdatpodcast.com. This week's Great Lady Nerd of History is Jackie Cochran. In May of 1953, she was the first female pilot to break the sound barrier. That means she was flying faster than 340.29 meters per second. If you'd been within earshot that day, you'd have heard something like this. So that's what it sounds like to go faster than the speed of sound. But there's still only an elite group of pilots and astronauts who know what it feels like to go that fast. I thought this would be the most interesting moment in Cochrane's life. Racing through the sky, breaking another solo record, she spent decades doing that, going farther, faster, higher than any other woman had before as a pilot. And breaking the sound barrier is an impressive feat, but I figured out I don't think it's the most impressive thing about her. See, in the early 1940s, every male pilot the American military had was needed overseas for the war effort. But there was this whole slew of jobs for pilots back home that still needed to be done. Someone had to fly the new and untested, mind you, planes at the factories. Someone had to fly the planes beaten up by combat missions back to bases where they could be repaired. Jackie Cochran saw an opportunity. Let women fly, she said. She promised she would train them, lead them. They could do all the jobs there were no male pilots left stateside to do. It was a tough sell, even though the generals desperately needed this help in World War II. The idea when it was put to the Army Air Corps uh, general, General Arnold, He thought, a wisp of a girl flying one of these bombers, they don't have the strength. That's one of the women Jackie Cochran trained to fly, Marjorie Munn. She was interviewed by Seattle's PBS station a few years ago. Cochran did convince all the right people to get the go-ahead and start training women pilots in Sweetwater, Texas. 25,000 women applied. But she could only train about 1,000 for the Women Air Force Service Pilots Program, known as WASP. There's newsreel footage of the first day women graduated from the WASP program. Jackie Cochran addresses the crowd, and she's wearing a polka dot dress and a hat that looks like she should be at a royal wedding. Then the line of women parades by her, and she hands each of them a set of wings. 
You know, the little pins? And she shakes their hands. It was a formal occasion, meant to be full of all the pomp and circumstance we associate with the military. But a lot of those women, when they got their wings, they just burst into smiles. Because now, they were pilots. All because of Jackie Cochran. Jackie Cochran in her polka dot dress. So I don't know which day, she'd say, is more important. The day she climbed into a cockpit, took to the skies, and flew faster than the speed of sound. Or that graduation day. But I bet she had butterflies in her stomach both times. You can learn more about Jacqueline Cochran and other great lady nerds of history at nerdatpodcast.com. That's where we've posted a bibliography of sorts. And a YouTube video that shows a jet going faster than the speed of sound. And that's where it does that crazy like air pulsing thing. And it makes that noise like you're bending a big piece of plastic. Yeah. (laughs) It's a lot cooler than I'm making it sound, I promise, guys. (laughs) All right, time now for Nerd Confessions. After our live show at Cards Against Humanity's HQ in Chicago, we collected some nerd confessions from audience members. There was someone there who drove all the way from Michigan, which is pretty adorable. So sweet. And it was really just a joy to meet all of you. Here's one of our favorite nerd confessions from that night. This is nerdy. It's like nerdception on how many <laughs> levels of nerdy this is. So I go to Dragon Con every year over Labor Day weekend, like you do when you're me. Um, and I went to a Battlestar Galactica panel, and Chief Tyrrell was there, who is clearly my favorite. And Jamie Bamber, who plays... Uh, Apollo was there and everybody was like oh Jamie Bamber you're so hot blah 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 and I went up during the Q&A and said to Chief Tyrrell I just want to say since the first episode you've been my favorite without question sorry Jamie but no and yeah and he came down off the stage and gave me a hug in front of all these people and the worst part was I was most embarrassed because I was wearing a Harry Potter costume (laughs) instead of a BSG costume and I was like mortified like oh god (laughs) How good is that? If I had a nickel for every time I had to hug somebody from Battlestar Galactica while wearing my Harry Potter <laughs> costume at Dragon Con, I would have no nickels, but this person would have one and they deserve it because that's awesome. <laughs> I'm going to say something really inappropriate just this one moment, what? which is that I will never say I'm sorry, Jamie, no, <laughs> when it comes to Jamie Bamber. There is just no way. <laughs> <laughs> In any case, I love the crossing of nerderies in that, though. That's perfect. She was right. It was a nerdception. It was a nerdery (laughs) within a nerdery within a nerdery. I also like the exceptional nature of it. Like, it's that sort of nerdception, too. (laughs) Thanks to WBEZ volunteer Lauren, who recorded that nerd confession for us. And thanks to Cards Against Humanity for letting us run around and talk to nerds that night. Indeed. So here's the thing, everybody. We also need you to send us your nerd confessions. It's got to be about when you were at your nerdiest, everything from epic fails to humble brags. Welcome. We're looking for that example of a moment in your life when extreme enthusiasm, either yours or somebody else's, had a memorable result. Call us and leave your nerd confession at 312-600-5638. You know, if you're not the voicemail type, I totally get it. You can even record yourself just with the Voice Memos app on your phone and email that to us, nerdatpodcast at gmail.com. 
Because then you get to practice. Exactly, man. You can listen to it, it over I and over. It. I mean, like, yeah, we don't leave voicemails. We, like, produce audio <laughs> and put it out <laughs> into the world. It's totally fair. However you need to get it to us is fine, but we would love to hear from you. Don't forget to tune in to our Game of Thrones recaps every Monday with Peter Sagal. Spoilers are coming. <laughs> and speaking of spoilers, next week on Nerdette. There is one that I really toe the line on. And, um, okay, I will now reveal to you I haven't. Okay, I'm going to reveal Yay. something to you. Good. On Nerdette, do you have the internet in front of you? I do have the internet in front All of right. me. I would like you to go to Twitter. I haven't updated this in a while. I've been pretty busy. And I, <laughs> n- I did not know what this was going to be. I, every once in a while, I start projects that no one knows about. That's the host of Slate Podcast, The Gist, Mike Pesca. He stops by with that confession of his own. You can hear that and more next Thursday on Nerdette. This show is produced by us, Trisha Bobita and Greta Johnson. With help from warden of WBEZ podcast Joe Dassault, first of his name and his two nights in training, Colleen Pellissier and Brad Helm. You can find links to everything, homework, great lady nerds of history, the sign up for our weekly email newsletter at nerdatpodcast.com. You can listen wherever you're listening to us because you already are, but we'd appreciate it if you took the plunge and subscribed on iTunes, Stitcher or SoundCloud wherever you cast your line for pods. That's beautiful, Trisha. I love that. (laughs) We also share links to things we love on Facebook, which you can see if you like us there. And we're on Twitter at Nerdat Podcast and would very much like to discuss any and all of the things. Particularly more about which West Wing characters correlate to Westeros characters. West Wing and Westeros? Yeah, man. Westeros Wing? Westeros Wing? (laughs) Okay. Get that Tumblr handle right now. (laughs) We're also at Nerd Podcast on Instagram, which is where I write pocket-sized book reviews. You know, I think you people should know that sometimes I, Trisha, read books too, just (laughs) not as often as Greta, and they're usually about strategic planning or something, and I don't know if I would really recommend that anyone else read them. Chicago Public Media creates award-winning content about the issues that affect nerds like you. More information is available available at chicagopublicmedia.org. Thanks for all the retweets, shares, and likes. Throw some stars and write a review on iTunes if you're feeling generous, like the excellent Starvin Artist did. Starvin Artist, Greta, would like us to run for president. I guess collectively. Like the Nerdette ticket? The Nerdette ticket. I don't really want to be president. Yeah, I was just about to say, I will be your vice president. I would like to be director of communications. Who was it who said that no one who actually wants to be president should ever be president? Was that Mark Twain? Or was it a president? (laughs) It might have been George Washington. It was either George Washington or Mark Twain. I think it was neither of them, but I think the sentiment is correct. (laughs) But thank you, Starvin Artist. There's one other way you can help Nerdette. If you're a nerd with a business or who works for one that wants to get your message heard by Nerdette listeners, you can underwrite the show. Email nerdettepodcast at gmail.com to learn more about sponsorship opportunities. Our theme music is New Old Toys by Poddington Bear. Do your homework. Do your homework. Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max, and listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts.